He's blonde and bitchin'. She's sporty and sassy. Together, they're perfectly imperfect. It's Jesse and Jenna's messy podcast. Cheers! <laughs> Every day's Groundhog Day, and um, I'm actually just gonna pulse the sun's. I'm finicky with light with uh, lighting situations. Um, so am I, Hal. So am I. Uh, obviously, I'll be backlit here. I'm not sure. Well, we'll see. Um, okay. This uh, is a podcast. Most people listen to it anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, I do, uh, we have a whole setup at home at the cottage here, and it's all, I got the lights and the, the scene, you know, all professionally done, hopefully, but, because uh, we, we're doing a lot of webinars and stuff now, so, but, yeah, uh, so we have it all set up, so. Well, yeah. I can tell you're doing lots of webinars because honestly, I don't think you've aged at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have since I first started oh. watching you, but I don't think you have. Well, you still yeah. got the classic tracksuit jacket, which I'm also loving that, too. That's right. I got the, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I usually don't wear body break uh, paraphernalia out, but I just haven't, I'm going out to uh, actually uh, uh, test run my drone. So just to, uh, um, uh, practice my drone and a little bit my drone handling skills a little bit so uh, uh, we have we have some videos we have to shoot um, for coronavirus and I'm gonna use the drone in so I got to get get back those skills so wow times have changed haven't yeah. they <laughs> but you're keeping up with them you know it's so funny I told a friend we were interviewing you today and he said oh my god is he gonna wear his famous tracks <laughs> no probably not and sure enough, you are. So, you know, true to the brand always. Yeah, it's, it was, it's, just, a, it's just a windbreaker today. So it's uh, not, not a full, the full thing. Not the full thing, no. no well, I should let anybody know who's just listening and not watching you in your fabulous tracksuit who we're talking to today. Our guest is giving us serious nostalgia. And if you grew up in Canada in the 90s, you'll feel it too. Because joining us on the podcast is one half of the iconic fitness duo, Body break! Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod are the duo behind the familiar fitness craze. And in a revealing YouTube video earlier this year, Hal admitted that racism was actually the catalyst behind their fitness brand, and he's joining us to talk all about it. Welcome, Hal Johnson! Woo! <laughs> Even though we've already had a conversation, you know, those little intros are like my shining moment on this show, so thank you for letting me read that. <laughs> well, so thank Hal you for yeah, thank you for doing this. This is great. So uh, we have some fun stuff to talk about too, but let's get the heavy stuff out of the way. And uh, sure. this racism, that started when you got a job offer, you were hired and then quickly let go. I mean, I know you've told that story a million times, but tell us again. <laughs> well, actually, Jesse, you're, you're, um, uh, it didn't start with that. It started when I was born. So when I was born, <laughs> there was uh, racism. And so it did it didn't start with uh, with that, but uh, um, and and that's why it's so interesting. You know, when I told the story, and then so many people said to me, "What? Why didn't you get mad?" You know, and so like like when I, I when TSN hired me, and then uh, fired me three hours later because um, because the higher ups felt that they couldn't have two black uh, journalists or two black reporters um, reporting. Um, they, they people all said, "Well, why didn't you get mad?" And I thought, "Well." And it never, I never got mad. And it was because I've had, to that point, 32 years of having to deal with it. And so when, whenever you get mad, 
at something, you kind of, what they call, lose your cool. You can't think straight. You can't come up with a solution when you're mad or angry. So my whole, my whole point is I want to win the war and not a battle. So how do, I, how do I get through this? Because there's always a way to get through it. And that was um, uh, what I was taught by my parents. And, and you know, my, my dad said to me, he, don't, he said, don't take on other people's baggage. So this guy had baggage. Let it go. Let, let it go when you leave him. Uh, don't, don't let him give you his baggage and you tote that around with you and get angry and frustrated and, and um, use it as fuel and, as opposed to bringing you down. And so that's what I you know, essentially uh, have always done. Um, and I, I, I'm always underestimated, which is great. And so just, and I think there are parallels between, you know, um, between women's rights and women's, women's issues and uh, say black rights, minority rights, the, the parallels are very similar. Um, you know, like a woman is always underestimated. Uh, but, you know, can she do the job or she's, 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 there's a different description for her. You know, a guy is, you know, he's, uh, he's very uh, secure with himself and a woman is a bitch. You know, it's like, well, they're, they're, they're doing the same thing and they're saying the same words, but a woman is taken differently and she's underestimated. And I've always thought I've felt a kinship to the, you know, what, what women go through and, and an understanding about that and what, um, and what minorities go through. Uh, it's a, it, we're, we live in a, uh, a male, um, white male society. And how do you, uh, how do you navigate that? And we have to figure out how to, how to navigate it. Since you have a very logical approach to battling racism, the, uh, the fight against racism has gone to an entirely different level in 2020. And it's, it has become violent in some cities, not all, but definitely some cities. How do you feel? Do you feel like that's helping? Like it, enough's enough and it had to escalate to this? Or do you feel like maybe we are getting a little too hot-headed when it comes to... Well, I- well, I remember when I was, and, you can, and this is my, literally my, well, my right hand, or, or left hand, I guess I'm holding it, but my right hand <laughs> um, is that, um, is I was about seven or eight years old. I can't remember exactly how, but I was, I was very, very young. And I remember thinking, one day people will have enough. Enough is enough. And someday People are going to want to blow up the system. And I'm like a seven, eight-year-old kid thinking about this stuff. And so it's, yeah, just enough is enough. And you, you will garner the attention um, and, and things will change. Because what, what in essence you're, you're asking, whether it be females or whether it be minorities, what we're asking is for a seat at the table. Um, and we're asking for an equal seat at the table, not a, not a seat that may be pulled as we go to sit down or a seat that might be is a, is a temporary seat. We want a permanent seat at the table. And so what we're asking is that people who own the table and own the seats, majority white males, we're asking them to give up one of their seats. And that's a hard thing to do. And that's uh, so one article that was written about us, I can't recall uh, about the uh, about the uh, video that we put out, uh, I can't recall who wrote it, but they said I think it was the Toronto Star. They said Body Brick was a Trojan horse that um, disguised uh, under fitness, but was trying to give an, uh, an alternative message of that we're, we can all live, work, and play together. And that was, and I thought at first I thought 
well, really a Trojan host? Well, yeah, I guess we were. Um, and we've, we've uploaded on our YouTube channel, started to upload all of our older Body Break episodes. So we have over 300 of them. So as I'm uploading them and looking at them and seeing what the you know, best thumbnail might be and all that YouTube stuff, um, is because um, we're kind of new to YouTube, and so I'm learning all that stuff. You guys and are doing so, a great job. We've both been hooked all week. Yeah, exactly. I have some things to talk about, but we'll get to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but in looking at them and, and, and kind of reminiscing about them, it's, it is amazing when I think back about what every episode we thought about. We thought about how can we flip the script on male and female? How can we include a, a person with a disability in the show? How can we include a, a minority in the show? We had one episode um, that I just put up. It's a, a one about tennis. And, and again, you know, this is 28 years ago. You forget what you were doing. But here's a tennis episode. And for the first seven seconds of the montage, Joanne's playing against another guy. And you see close-up shots back and forth, back and forth. And then there's a shot. Then you realize she's playing with against a guy who's in a wheelchair. And that was purposeful. And yet, because we didn't, we wanted to show we're just playing, she's playing tennis back and forth. He beats her in the point. Then he and I do the exercise together. And then we, we, I go back and play against him. And so, uh, but not once was the wheelchair mentioned or his disability mentioned. Not once. It was just, he was Alan and we were playing tennis. And I think that um, we, we, that was our approach to everything. And that we thought that, that that person who's in a wheelchair at home or that kid who is a minority at home, they're going to see themselves and it'll be a reflection. Because when I was 10 years old, I was given a, a, a nine iron by a friend of the family uh, and a bucket of balls. And I went across to Northview Heights in uh, Bathurst and Finch and I went and hit golf balls back and forth. And I, this was uh, for a whole year and it got me hooked on playing golf. And so um, I watched the masters that, that next year and I was really excited and I watched it. And I noticed this is 1966. All the caddies are black and all the players are white. So I said to my dad, I said, are we allowed to be on the golf course? Because that's what I saw in TV. And that was the impression that that hit me as a kid that I thought when uh, the, the incident with TSN and then a subsequent, another subsequent incident occurred, I thought t t me, the media is a powerful messenger and can shape ideas of children. So how do you shape the idea that we can all live, work and play together and that no child thinks that they're not as good or not good enough to, to do things uh, or not allowed to do things. And so that's, that was really the impetus and the idea and the, the motivation behind Body Break. And I think it worked. It was so much more powerful than maybe you and Joanne even realized. It's not just about the people at home like Alan in a wheelchair seeing themselves. It's people like me and Jenna who didn't see anything. And what I mean is I never once growing up watching Body Break thought, oh, there's an interracial couple. That's unusual. Or Alan in the wheelchair. I never thought, oh, people in wheelchairs can't play tennis you guys just normalized it so people growing up watching that there's nothing strange or unusual about it and I think you had that subconscious effect on a whole generation not to make you feel old 
<laughs> but yeah, but uh, but I am. Uh, but it's but it, it is um, it, it's it's rewarding when you reflect back. Uh, one of the things uh, Satchel Paige uh, from the uh, Black Baseball Players uh, uh, often said: "Don't look behind you. Someone someone might be gaining." And so I've often thought of that. So we don't reflect nearly that much on what we've accomplished. It's more, oh, what can we do next? What can we, uh, what can we build on? What can we make um, and, and, and do a better job at, uh, and, and get the word out? Now, right now, I, I must say that a lot of my black friends that I speak with and talk to, um, it, it's, it's interesting. Conversations with white people, my white friends, they're like, they're going, I'm shocked. There's, I didn't realize. I never knew. And I said, what rock were you under? Um, but I, but it's interesting having the conversation with them. And my black friends, we all feel the same way. We're exhausted. Like you, the white people are just coming up to the understanding of how prevalent it is. And it is everywhere. And black people are just going, I'm exhausted trying to explain this to, to everybody. And generations fighting for equality. I would be exhausted yeah. too. Well, you see like Messiah jury, you know, like four, four days ago when he, you know, the, the police footage came out and showed he was pushed by the police twice before he retaliated. And here's a guy in a, I don't know how much his suit costs, but it's expensive. So it, what it really told you was it doesn't matter how successful you're the president of the team that just won the world championship and this low-life cop thought thought of you as like you, you don't deserve to be here pushes pushes and then lies about it right so right. that's the thing is that and i've had incidents with the police as well uh and i've been i've been pulled over eight eight times in the u.s uh three times in canada and the one time i was pulled over uh, I was pulled over at um, 11 o'clock at night on the QEW, uh, and it was um, uh, the cop pulled me over. Uh, was really it was I was going under the speed limit because it was a torrential rainstorm, and I I was in a nice car and and uh, I was going down to do some editing, and uh, that night and he pulled me over and he just really was, you know, what are you looking at and uh, this stuff and I said, well, officer, I'm just I'm not looking at anything. Well, give me your license. And he goes, what, what, how'd you get a car like this? And I oh. looked at him and said, well, I just bought it. Don't be smart with me. I said, uh, my dad always told me, they got a gun, be nice. And so, uh, and they, I give my uh, license and uh, registration and he looks at it and he goes, oh, you're, you're, you're Hal Johnson. Oh, are, are you and Joanne married? I said, um, well, I just so happened to be talking on Joanne and she was on speakerphone. So I told her I'm being pulled over by the cops. Don't say anything. Just listen. So she recorded the conversation and, the, and uh, this is back in, this is back in 1999, I think it was. And um, she did it on our old recorder phone that we had at home. She recorded it. And right, right up, right up here was where the, uh, um, at the window was where the um, microphone was. So the police officer was talking right into it. And he, he said, he goes, Oh, are, are you and Joanne married? I said, I don't know. Let's ask her, Joe, are we married? He threw 
the, my license registration, they hit the window of the passenger side. <gasps> and uh, the, the license did. The plastic license hit the other side. Went back in his car and squealed off. So um, I, I, and then I called that, that when I got home 3.30 in the morning, I called the detachment, the OPP detachment and asked them, um, uh, you know, why did he pull me over? I want to know why. I didn't get a ticket, didn't do anything wrong. Why did you pull me over? It, and I know the answer is driving while black in a nice car. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> so when, when Joanne and I, like we went to Tucson um, for two weeks of uh, fitness, working out, had our bikes and our two dogs in the back with us and everything. Um, we drove, I have a pickup truck now and uh, I love it. Um, but uh, we drove from, from um, Toronto to, to Tucson and um, we don't drive at night um, because if we got pulled over on the highway in the U S we did not want to have to deal with that. And when, and we would check into hotels as we go, um, Joanne would go in first and then get the room key. And then I would go in because we knew, or we thought, there's a chance that they may not in, in Indiana, Texas, Oklahoma, that you never know, you know, kind of thing. And so those are the things that you have to deal with. Um, and, and it's like, um, my feeling is majority of people, Canadians especially, are good people. Um, majority of people have treated me and Joanne uh, like incredibly well. Um, Americans, that's a whole other... Yeah. Oh, I can relate to the story you just told me because I went to university in Alabama and my boyfriend was black. And we drove from Vancouver down to Florida together and went through all those little towns and I could feel the stairs, I could feel that. Not only that, but when I arrived, I was an athlete and I was told by my coach that I was hanging out with the wrong people. I had one friend and that was my black boyfriend. And, yeah. you know, there was just so, I had death threats from other women calling me, prank calling me, because at the time, you know, you had that landline in your dorm and yeah. uh, would give me death threats and all of that. I faced so much. That was my first taste of what racism actually was. I, I mean, you always feel it in Canada. You've seen it. Um, but I don't think it's at the same level as it was when I went to the South. And honestly, things back in 2003, and I hate to say this, were better than they seem now. I feel like it's progressively gotten worse. No, not, not really. In fact, my dad is 89. Uh, he plays, uh, he played golf today. He plays, he plays like four or five days a week. Um, you know, he's, uh, he said to me, he goes, uh, he's more hopeful now than he's ever been. That's and, nice to hear. And, and he's, uh, my dad played in the Negro baseball leagues, and uh, and so he's been through. Uh, he's seen lynchings. He's been. Mm. I, I would ask my dad as a kid, like I don't know if you've ever, um, uh, ha if you've ever had canned sardines. But I have, yes. <laughs> disgusting, uh, like they Healthy. and they smell. They smell right. So my as a kid, my dad would eat canned sardines and saltine crackers all the time as a snack. And I said, Dad, why do you eat that stuff? It's just awful. Well, the thing was, when he was traveling um, as a young kid, 18, 19-year-old kid, through North America um, playing baseball, um, they weren't allowed to get off the bus. So the bus they were on, they couldn't get, the, the team bus that they're 
driving around to these small towns in the south, they couldn't get served. So they would load up on at a, gro a black grocery store with canned sardines. And that's what they would eat um, uh, through the night as they were going to the next town. And so that was kind of reminding him of when he was uh, doing that playing baseball. So it's, there, there's a lot of scars that, that occur. Um, you know, your, your, you know, what your, what you went through. Um, so I, I think of it is that the, um, the, the scab has been, um, the pus has always been under the wound, but now the wound has been ripped off and the pus is spewing out because that, 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 um, that bandage was holding that pus in place, but the pus was always there. And hopefully, you know, in a two months, that pus will be voted out of office. I have friends that have voted for Trump um, in 2016. These are white friends in the States. And I told them, if you vote for him again, just understand that I'm blocking you, right? So you're no longer my, my friend. And I, they're like, oh, yeah, no, no, really? Like, I mean, this guy, he might as well just put a hood on and uh, be part of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I look at Trump supporters and think, how stupid are you? Like, really, how stupid i said when he was elected i said to joanne i said the guy is like hitler everything he does is hitler-ish and he's proven me unfortunately to be correct and so um and the you know the blind loyalty that the republicans are doing it's been it's it's awful um but i think it, they're showing they're showing their true colors and i i just hope as the the little brother, that's what Canada is to the U.S., that we can learn from our stupid older brother and not do the things that they're doing. Um, Fingers and, crossed. Well, yeah, I thought the, I didn't, the, the conservative um, guy that was voted in, uh, the, one of them was from Kitchener, Ontario, who's a, a redneck um, who's, who leans Trumpish. I thought, oh, boy, if he gets in, then that'll be, you know, God knows we don't want our country going that way. And, and I'm like, I'm very proud of Canada. I mean, I'm, I'm a, uh, I was born in the U S um, so I, I had dual citizenship. Um, four years ago, I uh, renounced my, my citizenship. I, I got rid of it. Um, it's a real hassle to get rid of your U S citizenship. It's, and it costs you a lot of money. Like it's like, I, I want to get rid of it. Um, I'm, I'm a Canadian and, and uh, I'm very proud of that. Um, now, you talked about the experience that your dad faced being part of the Negro League for baseball and traveling a lot. Then you talked about the racism you face. And I feel that every generation, their racism is a little bit different. Now, your kids are mixed like I am. I'm a quarter Japanese, and I've always found it to be rather difficult. And now with a lot of people that are coming out looking like I am, probably like, how do, you, how do they talk about racism with you that differs from the racism you experienced? Well, I, one thing, and it's funny, when TSN called me, um, they, they called me and uh, uh, when they heard the story out, they were trying to do a public relations um, uh, kind of, you know, they wanted to send out an apology and all of that other stuff. And I said, well, you don't need to apologize. And, but they had to, and they did. And I told them, I said, I'm not a victim. 
Like, so don't, uh, and, and what I find generationally is that um, the generation now uh, almost wants to be a victim or they're, they're, they're looking to be a victim. Like it's, it's like, oh, somebody didn't look at, somebody looked at me the wrong way. Oh, they, you know, they might, you know, whatever. And, and I am, I kind of look at it and go, who cares? Right. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I just don't like the victim. Like it's funny. I will give the person a benefit, 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 benefit of the doubt before I throw out, hey, that guy's a racist, you know, or, or whatever. I will, I will not go there. Uh, I envy the people at TSN. I didn't think of him as a racist. I just thought of him as stupid. You know, I, I, I just, I, and so the generation today, I think is too sensitive to things on the one hand, like it's, I have a mixed emotion. On one hand, I think they're too sensitive, toughen up. On the other hand, they don't put up with stuff that I have to d deal with and put up with because I knew I couldn't be, you know, saying, Oh, this guy's racist. This guy's racist. It was like, well, that's it's just normal. Like it's, and I think that's what the, the word systemic, it's really the normalization of things that, well, you just have, that's just the way it is. I remember, I remember a coach said to me, he's said, a baseball coach. He said, I was like in grade, I was in the fourth grade. He said, why aren't you fast? You're black. Why aren't you fast? And I said, I look at him and go, I don't know. I hit, I hit the ball out of the park. I don't have to run too fast. <laughs> he goes, and I went home and I asked my dad, I go, how come I'm not fast? He said, well, it's your mother's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but it was more that I didn't get mad at him. My parents didn't get mad. They were all, well, that's what people think. All black people are fast. Now, if it was said today, that coach would be, you know, who knows what would happen to him and whatever. Now, is that better that it, something would happen to that coach today? He wouldn't say that. Um, like the guy at TSN that told me he wouldn't put, put me on because uh, the other person at TSN who, who rejected body break because uh, Joanna's white and I'm black. And they said, you know, um, we love the show, but, you know, we, we can't have both of you. If we put a white guy in your position, then, then we put the show on is that I looked at that guy and I thought, you know, he's just, he's just wrong. You know, he's wrong. I, but I didn't, I didn't impose a lot of emotion on that guy. He's just wrong. And so I'm going to prove him right. Like I'm going to prove him that he's wrong and I'm right. And cause I knew body break, I knew it was going to be successful. Like I just, I, I said to Joanna on June 8th of 1988, she was to take me to the airport to fly up to San Diego. And I remember if I, I said to her, if I take this plane, this idea that we come up with will fizzle. So I said, I'm going to, I'm not going to take this flight and go to San Diego. We're going to work on it day and night. And I, and I said to her, this is going to change your life. And she looked at me, she says, yeah, I think so. You know, with this whole naivety. And I had this stupidity that I thought this thing I was so passionate about it that nobody could deter me. Like it was, you could tell me anything. And I come home from meetings and we have 42 different uh, people that turned us down and television stations and whatever. And I'd come home happy. And Joanne says, Oh, they want to take it. I go, no, no. 
no, see, that's why are you happy? I said, you know, they've never seen anything like this before. They've right. body and they were so excited. They said, wow, we've never seen anything, but no, we don't want to take it. Now, could, could some of those 42 people have, did they not take it because I'm black and Joanne's white? I don't know. But the 42nd one told me that was the reason why. So because he told me that, that I said to Joanne, I went home that afternoon at 3.30 in the afternoon and I said to her, who would think that me being black and Joanne being white um, would be a good thing? Oh, here's some uh, rap music. It's, uh, <laughs> Is he getting pulled over right now? You <laughs> uh, oh, it's a bunch of white girls who are listening to rap music. Uh, so, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> and they're going and they're going to the porta potty. That's I'm, that I'm sitting next to. Uh, but, See, it's not uh, all glamour when you're on body break. No, no you got to do you got to deal with stuff sometimes. But uh, but yeah, it was. Um, uh, she, oh, she's uh, yeah. Oh, maybe they're big fans, Hal. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. They're they're trying to ram the potty porta potty over here. There. Oh my wow. gosh, they're running over the porta potty. We're getting a viral yeah. video right here with Hal. <laughs> do they know that that could yeah. be make a big mess? Did they not yeah, know They did. Well, I, I'm not sure. The girl with the blue hair. I'm not sure if she's um, uh, thinking that way at this point in time. I think uh, their uh, their alcohol consumption has um, preceded the uh, the yeah, engagement. I really <laughs> hope that she gets that mess all over the front of her car. Then maybe that's why her hair is blue. The liquid touched it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but how I love that you told that story about the 42 rejections because I think one of the great silver linings of Body Break is that had you gotten that TSN gig, the world may have never seen Body Break. So sometimes when you're sitting in the storm, you don't realize there's a rainbow over those clouds. You just might not be able to see it all the time. I mean, apparently you did, but you know the network. You're did. You're, you're absolutely right, and yet it's like I I never got down. You know, and that's the funny thing. I was never discouraged. And I look back on it and it was the um, ignorance of youth. And the the uh, and that's why when people come to me and many people have come to me over the years and and, you know, ask for help. And and I'm happy to, to give that help to them and the young people. And they've got an idea and whatever. And and I know what happens is I start thinking using my experience and saying to them, well, you got to look out for this, you got to look out for that. I'm showing them all the landmines that are around there. There was all these landmines that I had to deal with, but I was so ignorant of it, I didn't see it, and I didn't care. So it's almost like I, when people come to me, young people, I would say to them, you know, I'll give them some advice or some direction, but I don't want to tell them all the negatives because it can be discouraging. And so, you know, and because when I look back on what what we did realistically it's like we we shouldn't have made it you know like if, if like if i if i was to, to pitch this in my mind now with all the things that happened i'd say well there's no chance we're actually going to make it but at the time it, it was a done deal like i knew this was going to happen uh we did it for the first year after solidifying a deal with participation um and then we um uh, Joanne and I said, we just, geez, if we could do this for another year, wouldn't it be great? And, and then another year and another year and year 10 and then year 20 and year 30. And you know, like so. 350 episodes later. And 
Yeah, and, and all the talks we've done and, and all the places we've been, like at all the experiences. We've been every part of Canada, Yellowknife, Whitehorse, uh, St. John, uh, Victoria, like everywhere. We've been all across the country, um, you know, not only with the Amazing Race, which was a, uh, an interesting experience. Except for you guys uh, were so nice. Wasn't uh, that the big thing everyone said? They were like, they were just too nice. They were too, yeah. there was no drama. <laughs> no, no. It, well, the, the actual, um, the, the executive producer of the show, um, uh, we have a meet, you have a meeting before the, the, the show. And so we're, we're at the Royal York hotel for a week before the show even starts. You're secluded. That's why I say, you know, these people that are, you know, complaining that, Oh, you know, we're in isolation or whatever. Well, we're secluded in a hotel room. No, no radio, no magazines, no television, no contact with anybody. You just had to talk to your partner. And so we're in that hotel room 23 hours a day. We're allowed one hour a day to go down and work out in the gym. That was it. And so, um, and so, but the executive producer, uh, before we were actually uh, going, uh, the, the show was going to start the next day um, that it happened to happen that way. But he said to Joanne and I, with all the CTV people in a big room, they brought each team in separately and they said, you know, um, uh, this guy, John, he said, well, you know, Hal, we want uh, some drama to you guys. We don't want the cookie cutter, nice Hal and Joe uh, that we see on TV. And I said, well, uh, John, uh, we're about the same age, you know, so, and I've been through the block a few times. So I tell you what, if you don't want Hal and Joe, I'm 30 minutes away from here. We'll just take a cab. We'll go home right huh. now. Like, okay? Good for you. So, and so, and he was like, no, 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 we want you guys. And all the CTV people are going, no, 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 we want you. No, no. I said, well, don't tell me how to act. Right. You know, don't, right. don't tell me that start screaming and yelling at Joanne because that's not going to happen. I haven't done it, you know, to that point for 25 years because I don't yell. Like it's, it's. Um, Does Joanne ever yell at you though? Because, you know. Careful. Usually, usually there's a reason for a wife to yell at a husband <laughs> once in a while. Well, it's just my nature. I, I, yeah. I feel that when you yell, you lose control. When you lose right. control, you lose the argument. When you lose the argument, then what, what are you trying to do? So it's like I, I um, when I'm mad, I'm quiet. Oh, the worst kind. That is the worst kind. So it, that's where I get, I get very quiet. When I'm really angry, that's the, Joanne will know because I just, I just won't talk. It's like, uh, I don't say anything because I screaming and yelling is just not part of my repertoire. So I told the amazing race people, I said, that's not going to happen. Like it's, it, it's, it's just not. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that's, um, that, that's when they say we're too nice. It's like, but it's, we are it's not, no, 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 we're not. It's just that that's our nature is not one to blow up. Like it's, and it, and it's, um, and that's why I, I could, I could never understand it because we're big, huge fans of the show and, and have always been. And, and when, when one partner would kind of, you know, diss another partner that like they're not trying hard enough or whatever. Well, I, I, I could never understand that because jo I know Joanne was trying as hard as anybody. Um, so why would I be negative to her in any right. respect at all? And we, we made a pact before the show is that, do not encourage the other person when they're doing a task because it's just noise. 
It's just distract. You know, come on, let's go. Come on, come oh, on, yeah. come on. It's just because you know their voice, and you're hearing. You're trying to focus and do something, and you're hearing this nagging in your ear. I banned my mom from soccer games towards the end of my career while I was still living at home. I said, you can't come. I can just hear you. And it drives you nuts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but everything's, you got all this other noise and you hear this, this noise that pierces through everything. And so that's why we, but that's how we, uh, you know, negotiated and navigate. We, we lost uh, because the um, uh, other contestants felt that we had already had our 15 minutes of fame in their words. So that's why they U-turned us uh, because they wanted us off the show. Well, though that you were so nice on Amazing Race, but there was one video that I found of you two where you were eating human flesh, playing around with blood with one of my favorite shows, Santa Clara <laughs> Diet. What, how did that come to life that you did that promo? It was like a three minute video that you guys got to do. Well, it was, um, what was interesting is we did that in uh, February of 2017. And in March of 2017, we were um, uh, going to be awarded the Governor General's Award by Governor General Johnson. And so, anyway, so we, in November of 2016, we got a call from Netflix who asked us if we would be interested in doing that. They want to do something specific for the Canadian market. They felt that this was a good play on words. Well, it just so happens that the internet social media promoter for North America for Netflix is from Toronto. She's Canadian. So th this was her whole responsibility, North America. So she, she knew that she knew, that's why she knew body breaks. She contacted us and we did it. Um, so what we thought was after we finished, there was a, there was 42 people on the set from Netflix uh, and from like from uh, Netflix, from LA as, as well as uh, all the people from Canada that, that were producing. And basically we want, they wanted to look like a body break. Well, yeah. understand that a body break is produced with Hal and Joe, uh, Claude, our cameraman, Joel, our um, a, a grip and uh, Phil Kawasoli, the uh, sound guy. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, so so there's forty. We look around and go, what are all these people doing here? Like, like we don't need that, that many. But it was a big production, and we shot it. And then um, at the end of the the, the the shooting, the director said, "Okay, that's a cut. Great, let's wrap." I want to thank Helen Joe. Big round of applause for Helen Joe. And so I said, "Oh, thank you, everybody. This is the last thing we will ever do." Because I think our <laughs> careers are over. Because <laughs> I thought, what have we done? And then we thought that the governor general, when they see this, because it landed at the end of February, they put produce it. We said, they're not going to give us the award. <laughs> they're going to say, oh, these people, we can't give it to these people. But uh, no, it was, it was, um, it was it was fun it was uh, it was great and uh the only thing is i made a note at the time and i said it at the time of the 42 people because we counted all the people on set <laughs> not one person of color not mm -hmm. any color 42 white people and i said um and and the women had their roles they were in wardrobe and makeup yeah. and the the men had their roles director da -da 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 -da, all all the things. So I, I said to Joanne, I said, you know, 
how come there's no black people here? Like black people can't, you know, hold a camera bag. Like it's like there was one guy that all he did was hold a book. I like this, this Santa Clarita diet book. That's all I did all day. So I, I just, I, that was, I'm always cognizant of that, uh, of race. I'm always, um, I've been in hundreds, literally hundreds of um, uh, advertising, marketing meetings over the years. Not one person of color have I been in that meeting with. A, a, a few Asian and South Asian uh, people but not, not one black person have I been in, in a marketing or advertising meeting. Uh, and, and this is in the city of Toronto. So, and, and it's a multicultural city. So it's like um, understanding that unless you get uh, in the seeds of power, you can't make a decision. Right. It's interesting though. Um, do you think that has anything to do with industry? Like that black people are maybe not as drawn to entertainment as white people? No. <laughs> or do you think it's just that all the white powerful guys at the top keep their white powerful friends also at the top and that's how systemic racism out racism well, it, well yeah it's like we say black people aren't drawn to entertainment okay so like can you name any black people that are in entertainment there would be no well, music industry i'm going somewhere with this question and you called yourself old not us so what i'm curious about is we know there's a lot of gay people that work in entertainment there's no shortage of them it's pride week in ottawa and since this whole george floyd thing really blew up one of the things i've seen is parallels between the lgbtq community and the black community and the struggles they've had the problem for me though is Black is on your face. You can't hide it. Gay people could lie. I mean, not me, but you know, some of us can lie or hide it. And uh, it's not just something that's right out in the open the minute you meet somebody. So I feel like it's kind of an unfair parallel to draw. Do you feel that the queer community has sort of surpassed the BLM movement? Or what's your thoughts on, on those two? Well, I, I, I don't know if you know him, but it is, he's, um, he's a... Um, uh, a casting and producer on the amazing race. His name is Mike Yerksa. And he was, he's, um, and, and one so, girl, five gays too, right? He was a cast member on one girl, five gays, I believe. I, yeah. And also drag, drag, um, drag race. Okay. He's, he's on drag race. Uh, and so I, when I, when I dropped the, um, video two months ago, uh, I was getting kind of questions about gay parallels and so forth. So I thought, let me call up Mike Yerksa and, and have a discussion with him. What does he think and so forth about it and, and the, 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 the struggles that the gay movement has gone through. And he gave me such an enlightenment to, and I thought, you're right. He said, he said, the difference is that, well, in the, in the eighties and nineties, the gay, the focus was HIV uh, medications. And then it, then they, then the gay movement turned it to, um, the uh, equality in marriage. And now it's, um, 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 oh, my, um, trans, 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 trans right. the transgender society, transgender issues. But he said the biggest thing is that you've got at the, at the top, you have white males who are gay and they've got money. And so the, the move, the, the gay movement does not run out of resources like the black movement runs out because, mm. but the white, but because you have, well, Tim Cook, the largest company in the world, you know, I mean, like it's, it's like you've got, and you have um, men, uh, white men that are in the closet 
who are still pushing um, for positive, uh, you know, positive for gay people. So you have all of these, you have white men because they're part of, part of that, a uh, part of it, they, they can keep, keep it uh, economically alive. And that's what the, one of the issues is with the um, Black Lives Matter community. We kind of run out of resources. Once the, once the cameras go, go away, um, it's, you, you don't have the money and resources to, to make an impact. So I, I thought that was interesting, you know, from Mike's perspective as a, as a gay man and uh, what, what he thought of it. So it's more, that's, then that's, that's exactly why I called him because I said, you know, Mike, I, I can't speak to the gay issue. Um, I, but, but you tell me what it's, what it's like. And so we had a two hour long discussion about it, which was, it was, it was great. It was, uh, he was, he was happy that I called him and I was certainly happy to talk to him about it. And I think that is so important. There has been instances, especially in the NFL. I can't remember which player it was horrible me. Cause I'm a big football fan, <laughs> but it was a white player made some comments and, or a black player made some comments about the Holocaust. Anyways, it really blew up. And instead of those two players fighting and, you know, maybe hurting each other extra hard on the field the next game they played against each other, they decided to both get together, have a conversation, discuss Jewish history, discuss black history, and kind of enlighten each other on each other's backgrounds. And I think that is so important. And you, we talk about how there's so much anger right now that we forget to be able to have a conversation. And when there's so much anger, it's hard. It's always met with anger. And sometimes we just need to remind ourselves, like, we need to talk about it. Oh, absolutely. And I was very fortunate to grow up at Bathurst, a corner of Bathurst and Finch uh, as a kid. And that's an all Jewish neighborhood. Uh, so almost all my friends growing up were Jewish. So when I then left the neighborhood and moved to different parts of Canada, there wasn't nearly as many Jewish people. And I would hear all these negative Jewish comments and I'd go, and I'd never heard that obviously living in a Jewish neighborhood, going playing basketball, the Jewish Y. And, and I was just, I was one of the guys. And, but when I hear these negative comments that friends of mine were making about Jews, they weren't making them about Jews. They were making them about David Goldstein and Les Starr and Mitchell Wine. They were making them about my friends that I had, that I grew up with, uh, all my life. So I would call him out on it and say, Hey man, that's not right. Like, you don't say, don't say a derogatory name about a, about a Jewish person. Like that's just, it's not right. And so my feeling is always like, like, you know, Jesse, like for you, it's, it's, um, it's gay issues. For me, it's black issues. Well, what's more, what's stronger is when it is when you, you do for the other person, you, you, you carry the flag for someone else. So I'm not disabled, but we were carrying the flag for persons with disabilities. It's stronger coming from us than a person who's got literally skin in the game. Right. right? Which is what that, I love about this movement right now and these parallels between the queer community and the black communities, because finally, maybe we can work together. You know, there's so many stereotypes that straight black men are inherently homophobic and we're scared of them. And it's like, well, no, maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Let's work together to fight for really the same cause, which is acceptance. Right. And I guess, you know, I, I have heard that in the gay community, there is racism within the gay community. Of course, uh, everywhere. Everywhere. But it's, and you would think, and that's where you step back and you go, 
like a black person, why would a black person be, you, you know what it's like to be thought of right. as, not as well. And as a gay person, you know, same thing. You know what it's like. Like, why would you be that way? Like, you know, what are you yeah. stupid? <laughs> yeah. It is crazy though. There's prejudice within every sort of, you everything. know, everything, you know, there, there really is. I, I always look at the way that, you know, a lot of people comment on Dwayne Wade and how his child is trans and living their best life and the comments underneath posts on like sports center and stuff. I look at it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, he is just being a supportive, but because the community you come from where it's not right, you're going to completely oppress this poor child. Just like you have talked about how you hate being oppressed. It's beyond me, but I think we just need to keep having these discussions. Well, I, I just, I, I just don't understand why one person cares about what another person does. <laughs> like, I don't care. Now you sound like my mom. She gets so mad about gay stuff. She goes, why is it anyone's business who you're sleeping with? Leave people alone. <laughs> or in Jesse's sense situation who he's not, not sleeping, sleeping with. Yeah. Right, you know. oh, <laughs> lonely. I think you guys are both right when you say discussion is the answer. And maybe there's a middle ground here. We don't always have to agree. And you were talking earlier about people being too sensitive. It's okay to disagree. And it's okay that I don't like what you like. But it, we have to draw the line when it becomes violent or too prejudiced. But it's okay to disagree, and it doesn't mean we have to block and delete and hate each other because we have different opinions. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and like I said, I've I've still be I'm still friends with my buddies that voted for Trump for now. But, uh, but I'm going to draw <laughs> the line now. Like so. <laughs> so you said you're working on some upcoming things for Body Break. Is it going to be similar to like the 15 minute segments that you used to do, or is well, it going to no. look a little different? Well, those were, were 90 second segments. Um, is, were they uh, 90 seconds? Seconds. It just felt like an, a half, a quarter of an hour. <laughs> um, it's, uh, Body <laughs> break. Body break. Is that what, what we're uh, doing now, we're doing virtual body breaks. So what we're going to do uh, is we're going to, uh, I got an idea, and Joanne hates when I get ideas because that means it's work. Because I'm sales and marketing and she does all the work. So that's how we uh, divide our, business relationship, which I find perfectly, it works for me. But Joanne's actually home right now writing scripts. So um, what we're doing is I got the idea that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Zoom meetings going on across the country. And I talked to an event planner and she, I asked her, I, I said to her, a friend of mine, I said, what's the toughest thing you've got during the pandemic? What's, it's, she goes, it's really hard to keep people's interests. And when you bridge, when you go from one speaker to a next, when they do these Zoom meetings, it's like, it's just uninteresting. And so, you know, whether it be a weekly meeting or their annual meeting that's on Zoom, it's whatever. So I thought, well, you know, what if we came up with these virtual body breaks that they could insert between speakers or during meetings and then do, the, do it like we'll do it is if they are uh, like, we'll, we'll, we'll take a desk. So for example, we're going to take a desk to the 15th hole of the golf course at our golf course, put it on the tee box. And we're going to do an exercise from your desk there. And then I'm going to pick up the club and then hit the, hit it, uh, uh, you know, or I'm going to be on the, uh, we're going to be on the track here. We're going to do a, a warm up exercise why you, what you should be doing. So we're going to do a whole bunch of different exercises and follow along. Hey, let's get going. People get, get up, get up doing this stuff. 
in different locations, but we're going to do it with a desk and a PC as if we're just like them and we're going to be doing this. And so we're going to come up with a whole series of them. And then we're going to come up with uh, friends of ours. There's a friend of mine, uh, Lowell Taylor, who's a clinical, clinical psychologist. And I always say, well, when you think you've got it rough, uh, Lowell's um, um, blind. He's legally blind. He's on the para uh, Pan Am team. And he's, he was um, before the coronavirus, he was um, um, trying out for the Canadian Paralympic team for 2020. And he's a cyclist. And so they does tandem cycling. But he's also a clinical psychologist. He also was on the Amazing Race, a blind racer on the Amazing Race. Wow. And so, and he's great on camera. So Lowell's going to put together a series of um, about mental health as a clinical psychologist going through this. So we're going to introduce him and he's going to be part of the body break team. And these will be uh, um, uh, body breaks, uh, virtual body breaks. And uh, that'll be coming through. So we're going to be producing those. And because uh, I got a new toy, my drone, now we can make it look really good with some you know, nice drone shots. So that's why I was out here today, just going, uh, going to practice my drone flying. That's amazing. I would actually pay attention in Zoom meetings if I knew that our intermission was going to be a body break. Body break? You got to sing it. I would would wear the whole, like, back in the 90s with the thong on the outside of your tight shorts. Pick out the hair a little bit. Oh, yeah. I love how you guys have been evolving for 32 years and you're not done yet. One more reason to follow your YouTube channel because you can see all the old videos and this new stuff, too. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's fun. You know, I, I love to learn. I think if I were to tell young people and old people anything is that try to keep learning. Um, I, I just, I've, I just bought a new switcher uh, for production and I'm learning the ATEM, ATEM mini pro by black magic. It's great. And you can do picture in picture. And so there's my, my zoom meetings that we do it's, and that's what I got. Like we do webinars or uh, zoom calls. Um, when we do uh, talks about health and wellness, we've done several of them. We've got about, 10 books for September, October, November, we have them. I thought about, I go, why, why, why am I just a talking head? Why not we, we be able to bring in slides, do picture in picture, do another set. Let's make this a, a TV set. So let's go to Joanne in the kitchen doing a recipe. So we, we will, let's go you know, to hell in the gym. So we have a switcher with four different cameras to go from. So, and I'm learning all of this stuff and it's just, it's great to learn. And, and it's, it's like you, you think about one thing an editor said to us back in 1988, he, we were editing and we didn't know anything about what we were doing, but he, he's editing it and he goes on a certain cut. He says, uh, yeah, it's good enough. And I said to him, if it's good enough, it can be better. So let's continue. Let's, let's make it better. And that was $250 an hour, which we did not have that we had to spend on this guy. And yet it was when he said it's good enough, that's, it's not how I live my life because it's, and so when we do a zoom call and when we do a, a zoom meeting, I want this, um, that we're getting paid for. I want to be the best zoom meeting people have ever seen. So that's kind of what you we sound work. like my soccer coaches. <laughs> <laughs> we don't attitude. do anything half ass. You want that's a championship. Right. Well, you know what? You can win another one because that's what's next. <laughs> so how before right before we let you go uh really quickly everybody's tr you know trying to shed the quarantine 15 and on your youtube channel one of the videos i love from back in the day was you and joe on a boat 
and you were making a sandwich. And I think it was the biggest sandwich I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And it had basically a bottle of ranch dressing on it, a block of cheese. And I thought, this is healthy. So the, the food trends and what's healthy and what's not, carbs, fat, oh my God, stop the insanity to quote Susan Powder. You know, how, what are we supposed to be eating? And how do you keep up with what's healthy and what's not? Number one thing, Jesse, number one thing by far is just reduce the amount of sugar that you eat. You can't outrun a bad diet. No matter, no matter how much you run, just reduce the sugar. It's very, very simple. Reduce the sugar. And um, uh, that, that's, all, that's, that's all that it takes. So when you um, say sugar, are you also talking about wine? Uh, what does sugar come from? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's harder to do than you think because sugar is hidden in everything. I was blown away when I found out like a tablespoon of ketchup is like basically all sugar. Yeah. And that's, that's really, you're absolutely right. And it's like, you know, it's funny what you said, like, uh, when I tell people things, they go, well, yeah, but what about this? <laughs> As if, if I say magically, yes, it's okay. Now I've given you permission. That thing, you, I was on a flight from, a, from uh, Toronto to Los Angeles. I sat next to a woman who was um, um, large size. She was about 300 pounds. And she said to me, she goes, um, she asked me, oh, Hal Johnson, oh, oh, we've got five hours that I can learn how to be healthy. And I go, and I said, okay. Uh, and I started telling her, well, you know, I said, you know, those, I started talking about nutrition. I said, you know, those nuts that they give, I said, there is, here's how much fat and calories are in those nuts and here's, you should, you know, avoid them. And so the flight attendant came by and she offered the, the nuts and I said, no, no, thank you. And the woman said, I'll have his. And I said, and that was after an hour talking to her about nutrition. So I said, at that point, I told her, I said, you know, I have a headache because I realized she wasn't ready. Right. And, and that's really the thing is that um, y y what, what hopefully the quarantine can do is that um, it can create better habits for people. And that's really what you, you, because the number one thing that people say is that they don't have time. That, that, that's what they would tell us before. Uh, you know, oh, I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to make a good dinner. I don't have time. Well, what do you got now? You got all kinds of time. Yeah. You know, what, you know so that's why I say well, if we can create um, better habits that like when you get up in the morning, you don't think about, oh, I have to go to, I, I go to the, the drawer on the right that's where the toothbrush is. And then I bring the toothbrush up my mouth. I, what the, you don't think of that, all that stuff. Right. So much of what we do is by habit and is automatic. So that's what we, that's what you have to make health and fitness and a lifestyle. It's out of habit. Like you just, when I get up, I don't think about, oh, I've got to work out. I've got to do that, whatever. I get up, my shorts are there. I put them on. I, it's just, all of a sudden, I'm on the bike, and I go, oh, how did I get here? I don't even right. think that there. You know, so that's why if you, whatever you want to do, you want to create it as a habit that you do each and every day, both nutritionally and also uh, physically as well. Right. It takes time. It doesn't take long. So it, it, takes you, it takes discipline. Right. So cut out sugar. That is the worst thing you could have said. That is like my biggest <laughs> weakness. I have such a sweet tooth, but... I, how about carbs? Are <laughs> carbs okay? 
Well, it, you got to give it us something, Hal. You got to give us something before we leave. <laughs> Are you going to be like that woman on the flight with me? Like, <laughs> whatever. I Fred's really it's bad. Just, I'll take his bun. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, but it's, it really is, uh, you know, when you think about, when you think about when you played soccer, when you, when you were, when you were playing soccer, how much you, um, how much did you move when you played soccer? I was playing on like three, four teams at once. So, right. So yeah. you, your, your, your body was just in constant motion. Yeah. Right. And so the amount of uh, calories that you were bringing in, because it's really a, a very simple equation. It's a simple scientific equation. Here, here's how many calories you burned. Here's how many calories you ate. And once the eating becomes more than burning, you're going to gain weight. And so when you look at like simply if you if you were to reduce when you reduce let's say 100 uh, calories uh, from uh, from your day so you reduce 100 calories from your day over the course of a year that's going to be 10 to 12 calories 10 to 12 pounds that you're going to lose wow. over the course of a year so that's only a, just 100 calories so that's a, a not eating that extra bun or not putting butter on the bread you're going to drop that amount of weight in that period of time you know what really changed my thinking about it? And you can tell me if I'm crazy, but I sort of thought if we were cavemen still, or cave people, sorry, and, uh, you know, in the wild, we wouldn't be finding three meals a day, a bag of chips, donuts. It just wouldn't be available. And I was actually looking at my dogs who eat one meal a day. And I was like, if they can survive on that, humans can. I mean, I'm making it, don't you try this at home, kids, but I think you understand where I'm going with this, is that we don't need to eat as much as we're told we need to eat. Well, yeah, if, um, you know, you turn on the TV and you're being told first, you know, you got to eat this, eat this, and it looks so good. And then you, you're told to go to Jenny Craig, you know, after you eat all that stuff. So yeah. it's, there's all, I mean, it's a $30 billion a year industry in the, in the U.S. Um, the, one of the things is that manufacturers uh, have put so much sugar and salt in, in the products. And the reason they've done that is because the product that becomes addictive. So we, our taste buds become addicted to, to, to that. Um, and so that's really, uh, it's a matter of kind of drugging us to want and crave that. Why, like, and, and why, for example, our, uh, our chips and, um, you know, at, uh, at bars, oh, you have chips and nuts and whatever. They want you to eat that because you're going to drink more when you, when you eat that. So, and that's why it's, people have those meltdowns at drive-thrus when they can't get their chicken nuggets. Don't yeah. tell me that's not an addiction. That looks just like someone who can't get their heroin fix. That's right. right, right. <laughs> well, sugar, sugar is very addictive. You know, yeah. and like, for example, like when, you, when you're a smoker, um, it's not the nicotine. It's the habit that makes you addicted. Because uh, after 100 hours of no longer smoking a cigarette, your body is rid of, of the addiction of uh, of um, uh, of nicotine, but you you are addicted to the habit of doing it. Oh, the 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 bell rings. It's lunchtime. I got to go have a, or it's it's break time. I got to go have a cigarette. You know, it's it's all of the habits that we get we get into that, um, and that's why we always tell people in our talks: check out your habits. Look at the good ones you have, and then look at the list of bad ones that you, you know, drinking too much wine, perhaps. Um, uh, you know, why those, did you look at us like that when you said? <laughs> 
I just looked at one side of the screen. I just looked. Oh, at it's it. okay. I admit it. That is what, my I just pick what, I, Whatever side you think I looked at, I don't. <laughs> it's both. We're not guilty or anything at all. No, you know. No. Are our teeth red? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's so great to hear from you and to know that you guys are still continuing to spread health and now not just physical health, but also mental health aspect to Huge. it. It's absolutely amazing. And thank you for sharing your story too. Well, thank you very much. And, and as we always say, until next time, keep fit and have, and have fun. Al <laughs> Johnson, thank you so much. Thank you, take care. Have a good one, Hal, have fun with your drone. I will. <laughs> All right, bye. I could take that many ways. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Joanne. <laughs> Have a good one, Hal. Bye-bye. Thanks.